Hello everyone, this is Sam Stecker with the NCSA, that is the Nebraska Council of School Administrators. It's your premier organization for educational leadership in our great state of Nebraska, bringing you another episode of the NCSA podcast. And today, I think for the first time, I can say we have a guest that's a senator. So thanks so much for being our guest. Would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me, Sam. Uh, my name is Adam Mornfeld, and I represent the Fight in 46 Legislative District in Northeast Lincoln. Right on. Um, I always start off the podcast, kind of break the ice, let everybody know, because we're all about education, and I think everybody has a good story about this, and it reminds us why we do this. Who was your favorite teacher you ever had? Yeah, so the, the teacher that really stands out for me is uh, Mr. Bombas, uh, Steve Bombas. Uh, he uh, was a biology and anatomy and physiology teacher in high school, and he was a teacher that number one was passionate about the material, passionate about the subject matter, but also passionate about making it fun for kids. Right. And, and so he always found fun and interactive ways, whether it was explaining physics by jumping up on tables and dancing and talking, you know, explaining how that, how that interacts with um, some concepts in class, or um, whether it was just uh, reaching out and getting to know students a little bit better on a more personal level so that he could relate the course material in a way that resonate with people more. So You know, from a selfish aspect, I love asking that question because I've asked that of so many people now, and it doesn't matter where they went to school, what their era was, how old they were, consistently their answer has to do with something about engaging students and building relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good reminder that those are consistent aspirations and goals that we should have in our classroom. So that's thanks for another good validation. Appreciate yeah, it. well, good. and I think that the other thing, too, is it taught me how to be an effective teacher for college level. I mean, so I teach a, um, an adjunct faculty member at, at Doan, and I learned from Mr. Bombas that the best types of classes and the best learning experiences are ones that are personalized Absolutely. and ones that are interactive and engaging. Good. Um, wanted to talk to you about our just finished up Unicam session, and mm -hmm. I will say I watched more of the Unicam this year than I ever have before, and on occasion people have questioned my character and judgment for doing that. It was an interesting <laughs> session for sure. It was. And No dull moments. No dull moments. I got to see you know small amount, which was very interesting. I think yeah. you did a great job of advocating for a lot of things that we believe in as education leaders in the state of Nebraska, and I think frequently people will look at our legislative process and it can appear cumbersome. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, well, well, what's really happening? But I also think some good things happen for sure. Mm -hmm. So from your perspective as one of our state senators, what do you think is something we can point at and go, we got this done and it's mm -hmm. good for education in Nebraska? So I think first and foremost, there's two things. Um, but the first thing that I think is most relevant is we were able to maintain an acceptable level of education funding during mm -hmm. a really tough budget time. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot more work that we have to do. I don't think it was the level of funding that was necessary and acceptable in my view. But given the circumstances and given what was happening with other funding sources mm -hmm. um, and, and other agencies, K-12 education in particular came out fairly well. Mm -hmm. With the caveat that we still have a lot of work to do, and I don't think that it was an acceptable enough funding level to fulfill the needs of the state of Nebraska or our students. And so so I, I say that, but uh, it's within the context mm -hmm. of the state budget situation. Well, and I appreciate that, that caveat because I do think, again, I'm the second time I've used this word, cumbersome. The process of cum is cumbersome. The formula itself is cumbersome. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, the solutions are not easy to come by. 
and I know as leaders in education, we are working hard to advocate for a good solution and to inform our state senators. And what I see you guys doing on the floor is no small amount of that either. There's not an easy answer to mm-hmm. school funding. And uh, I think that the people that do perceive it as, well, just do this. Mm-hmm. There's no just do this out there. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would agree with you. Absolutely some good work got done. And I'm confident as a superintendent, I'll be able to take care of my kids this year. Yeah. And that means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, it's also always good to hear voices like yours saying, and we're not done, Sam. We've yeah. got some more work to do. So yeah. we really appreciate your advocacy on that behalf. Speaking of adv- advocacy and moving forward, uh, for all our people listening, our principals and our superintendents, we want to continue to do more. We want to continue to support our Unicam. We want to keep our senators informed. Uh, We want to be informed as well. What do you think is something that's important for us to do as educational leaders in the state of Nebraska to continue to push what I think is a really good system forward and keep our foot on the gas? So I think the most important thing, and this is something that I brought up to um, actually a bunch of administrators and some teachers actually that are part of a a Doan educational administration um, class. The number one thing that educators can do and particularly administrators, is elevate the stories of individual students and teachers. Um, Those are the most powerful advocacy tools that educators have, Mm -hmm. is the individual stories of students, their families, and in some cases, teachers, too. Um, Those are the things that resonate with senators. Those are the things that resonate with policymakers' staff. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that we remember when we're advocating on the floor for one position or another, Mm -hmm. is the individual story, the face of that child, the face of that family, and in some cases, when we're talking about um, benefits and resources for teachers and administrators, sometimes the face of those teachers and those administrators and their families. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have to constantly remember that facts and data are important, Mm -hmm. but what opens the door to facts and data and to people wanting to know more in facts and data is the personal story. That's the door to people caring about the facts and data. Mm -hmm. You can't lead with the facts and data. You have to lead with the personal story, and we need to do a better job of that. And I appreciate that validation because we say frequently, hey, make sure you share your school story. If you don't write your story, someone else will. Mm -hmm. And it can be... it can be tiresome. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always a lot to do, but sharing those positive stories is exciting. Mm-hmm. And there are elements where I realize I've even dropped the ball. Yeah. And I, I try very hard to share the successes of our students. Mm-hmm. And I try very hard, and I'm not as good a job at it, as sharing the successes of our, of our teachers. And just recently, I, I've realized I, I'm not sharing enough about what our board is doing. Mm-hmm. And you will have the board meetings, and they're not always the most stimulating thing. Well, and you know, and listen, I mean, I, I run a nonprofit, so I know I know exciting board meetings and ones that yeah. aren't very exciting. And I, I think that the other thing, too, is share the successes, but also share the failures. Mm-hmm. Um, because the successes are really important. But the bottom line is, is that we have a lot of needs in our schools. Mm-hmm. And we need to share the successes of when those needs are met. Absolutely. And we need to share the failures of when they're not met mm-hmm. and connect that to policy. Um, and so share both um, because both are important and both inform good policy or bad policy. I, as a senator, what is the best vehicle for people to share those stories with you? 
Um, you know, I think that first off, constituents, if you can mm-hmm. ever get a family um, or a student to reach out to their senator, I mean, I think that's the number one um, vehicle and, and make sure it's concise, make sure it's um, um, it's connected to what you want them to do from a policy perspective and make sure that you make them hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. Make sure that, that student asks, how are you going to vote on this now? You know, not just, oh, nice. Thank you. Um, have a nice day. Thanks mm-hmm. for the information. Hold people accountable. Um, so I think that the best vehicle um, are constituents themselves. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, it's a mixed bag on whether phone call or email or whatever this is best. The bottom line is it needs to be a constituent. They need to identify themselves as a constituent, and then mm-hmm. that will rise to the top um, in terms of staff. And one of the things I will say I've appreciated about our state senators, and I think sometimes wor- people worry about this, that they're just throwing something out into the void. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're super busy. They're mm-hmm. not going to have a chance to respond. There's not a time that I have contacted one of our state senators, even beyond my own, that I haven't gotten some type of reply back. Yeah. It's not always that same day, obviously, because you guys are awfully busy. But to me, that's a validation. Yeah, they do want to hear. And they read those emails. They listen to those phone calls. That message gets through to them in some capacity. And if you're not sharing the needs and the stories and the failures that are critical to what you are doing, another voice will be out there. And it may or may not be accurate. Mm -hmm. It and I'm all about the opposing voice. Yeah. My, I always say my wife is a bleeding heart liberal and my father is a diehard Republican and they're both mad at me for being a registered independent. Yeah. So it's always good to get that extra voice out there mm-hmm. that's yours. And I will just say, as a validation for everybody that's thinking about doing it, our senators do a good job of listening and responding. Mm-hmm. But they won't respond if they don't hear from you. So. Exactly. And I think the other thing, too, is I think people... Number one, they forget that as legislators, we're really local level officials. Mm-hmm. We only represent 40,000 people. Yeah. It's really not a lot. Um, whereas our Congress folks represent around 700,000, mm-hmm. give or take, depending on where they're at. Um, it's a little bit harder for there to be personalized communication there and for them to be able to sort through all that. But in my office, if I receive five or seven constituent contacts on an issue mm-hmm. that I have a different impression on at first, that's differing from those constituents, those five or seven constituents actually make me step back and rethink my position sometimes. And, and that and is people so don't, People hear. don't realize that. I mean, people think that it's just going into a bottomless void. And um, Now, granted, there are more effective ways of advocacy. Filling out the form email that's mm-hmm. a mass email isn't the best and most effective way to do it. Take five minutes to send a personal email, mm-hmm. three or four sentences. My name is so-and-so. I'm a constituent. This is my story. This is why I want you to vote this way. I want to know how you're going to vote this way. Thank you. Name, address, done. That's way more effective. I mean, that's all you need to do. It takes less than five minutes in some cases. That's a a pretty good lesson for our constituents to have. I like Mm -hmm. that. That's good. Uh, As educational leaders, we really want to model being lifelong learners. Uh, I know in finishing my third year as a superintendent, I'm not even close to as good as I want to be. I need to continue to look at good resources that are going to help me be better at what I do, help me be more informed, and also be able to pass information on to the people I serve and the peers that I serve with. So last question I have for you Mm -hmm. today is who is somebody that is educational leaders in the state of Nebraska we should all have an ear towards because we're going to be better at what we do and better informed if we watch what they're doing and listen to their voice? I would, you know, it's tough to nail down one one person. I, I'll let you do too. Yeah, well, we're seven. I, I'm going to have a lot more than All that. Right. And and so you may think this is a cop out, but I, I think that 
families. Um, mm-hmm. We really, I mean, one of the things that I do in, in my nonprofit world is we are getting much better about instead of just assuming this is what needs to happen mm-hmm. to have a positive outcome in X, Y, or Z, we really need to be intentional about going into neighborhoods and asking people, what do you really love about your neighborhood? What are some things you want to change? And what are some needs that you have? Mm-hmm. And being very intentional about listening. Now, I think the same applies for schools. And I know that there's a lot of schools that really do listen to families and family needs. Um, but I think that one of the biggest problems that I'm seeing right now in education is that there are not enough supports for families. Mm-hmm. And schools are the last well-funded public institution um, that can provide resources, and they don't have enough resources for families. So I would say that um, we need to start listening to families and seeing what their needs are, because if families are secure, economically secure, and they have all their needs fulfilled, then their kids are going to be that much more prepared to come to school and become lifelong learners and become successful members of our society. And I know that as schools listen to families, mm-hmm. they can't provide all the resources for families. But as they listen to them, they are, schools are the best conduit for policymakers to let us know what families need for their kids to be successful. So I'm not expecting that schools are going to provide all of the different needs and resources for families. But what I do expect is that schools let me know mm-hmm. what the needs our families are so I can create policies that can help support them and help support the kids going into schools. Which really goes back to our previous question. When you speak to, hey, your constituency, that is... It's the best vehicle. That, that's a great way to communicate. I was just talking with Dr. McKeel, Superintendent Academy, and one of the things I talked about is you know where you're walking every day. You know who you're going to see. Be intentional about those conversations. Mm-hmm. When you, you know, every day I'm going to walk to the post office and I'm probably going to see Tom. And when I see Tom, I'm going to talk to Tom about what's going on in the school district because Tom will be able to voice a lot of other things out there. But when you have those intentional conversations and you hear those needs, that opens the door for that next conversation and say, hey, have you thought about contacting our state senator about mm-hmm. this? Why don't you pop in the office? You and I can talk a little bit more. I'll help you write that letter. Let's make sure they understand what you are dealing with because mm-hmm. then we really get to the root of who we're both serving yeah. as the officials in the school and the officials in our legislative body. We're still serving the same people. Yeah. And it will be good for us as educational leaders to recognize one of our jobs is to be a conduit between those two things, Mm -hmm. to help target that message in a manner that's going to serve our schools and ultimately serve our kids. So good advice. I like that one. That's good. (laughs) I I do have one more question for you. Just because my wife told me that I had to ask. How's your chicken situation? (laughs) (laughs) Well, my my urban chicken has found its home. Oh, that's good. Um, Yeah, yeah. No, I I had a chicken that... um, Called, started calling my backyard in the middle of Lincoln home. And uh, and I, I'm not a rural guy. I'm a city guy through mm-hmm. and through um, in terms of my knowledge about um, uh, about animals and and poultry. And and so uh, in any case, um, we found its home. I'm and, glad and, to hear and that. And Fred the chicken, um, who actually turned out to be a female chicken, um, is, is safe and sound. So My wife will be her- very happy to hear that. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much, Senator. Hey, guys, just so you know, I know a lot of you that listen are active on Twitter. Senator Merfeld has a very active Twitter account as well that I follow. Then he puts a lot of good information out there. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's right up there with entertainment value. Too. I think it's worth following. So thanks for so much for taking the time. And, uh, hey, guys, tune in next time. We'll be long and we'll have another episode up. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot.